Grab your Bibles, open those up to Matthew chapter 6. We're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. There's like three sections. We got through the first one. We're getting ready into the next one. Matthew chapter 6. I heard this story about a pastor who came before his congregation. He said, church, I've got some, I've got some bad news, I've got some good news, and I've got some more bad news. And the church's like, oh, and got quiet. He's like, first of all, the bad news. The bad news is that our roof is in need of repair. It is in bad shape. We're, we're, we're going to have to replace our roof. And it was just, oh. He goes, but I got good news. We have enough money in this church to pay for it. And the church's like, yes. He goes, I got more bad news. All that money's in your pockets. Two guys are on this island, and uh, the one is laying down, just sunning himself. They, they were stranded there. Their boat had, had been shipwrecked, and they were stranded on this island. They have no idea if they're ever going to get saved. And the one's just sunning himself. The other one's sort of pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. He's like, all frantic. He's like, we're never going to be found. We're going to die here. And he looks at his buddy who's just laying there, sunning himself, and he goes, aren't you worried? Aren't you afraid that we're going to die on this island? He goes, no, no, you have to understand. I make $10,000 a week, and I tithe regularly off of that to our church. We've got a stewardship campaign going on right now. My pastor will find us. He'll find us. Yeah. See, I share both of those stories because, one, we're going to talk about giving, and I need you to loosen up before I talk to you about giving, okay? Two, we have all these misconceptions about giving, like, that's all the pastor ever talks about is giving, giving, giving. He wants your money. Or, or the, other, uh, the other misconception is, is that uh, that's all the church ever talks about. And it, it's, it's not true. There's, there's so many different con- uh, misconceptions that sometimes we don't even want to talk about it. If you know me, we've, I think this church has been in existence maybe 16 years, I think. Um, and I can probably count how many times I talked about giving on maybe one hand, which is probably bad of me. I will confess that now because giving is one of the things that Jesus talked about all the time. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It is an act of worship. And it should be explained to the church and it should be talked about. It should be praised. But yet a lot of pastors, including myself, sometimes like, I don't really want to talk about it because there's this bad stigma with giving and church. And everybody thinks it's just all that maybe there's some corruption there or it's all they talk about. They just want my money. They could care less about me. And so sometimes we don't talk about it for fear of what people might think. But then you get to Matthew chapter 6, and it's like, Jesus gets right into it. Well, would it be right of me then to uh, skip over Scripture when Jesus is talking about it? Probably not. And so I'm looking at chapter 6, and he's, he's discussing uh, basically what he's been talking about, all these spiritual disciplines. He's been talking to God's people, the people of his kingdom. He says, this is how we are to live. Now he's getting into three very important disciplines. First one is giving. Next one is prayer. And the third one is fasting. We love to talk about prayer. Everybody can talk about prayer, right? Oh, I can't wait till next Sunday when we talk about prayer. But to talk about giving, that means i got to take something out of my pocket. And to talk about fasting, that means I can't put something in my stomach. Don't like those two topics, okay? I like what I have, and I like what I get, right? But the prayer, that's easy, that's easy, right? But we look at Scripture, and each of these characteristics and disciplines of Christianity must be done in the right attention. Jesus says these are things we need to do, but they're not to gain attention. They must be done with the right motive, with the right intent. And that's what he's going to get at with this. So if you look with me in Matthew 6, starting uh, verse 1, it says this. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. 
When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So he begins with these three spiritual disciplines, giving, praying, fasting, this first one here, giving. They were very prominent in the Jewish belief that these three things, and so he's going to hit on them, but he speaks of giving. He says, you know, that is a, is a righteous thing to do. Uh, giving is synonymous with Christianity. We read all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament about giving. Jesus talked about it. The Apostle Paul talked about it in his writing. And because, think about this, because of the sacrificial love of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and we see these teachings, we, today we have hospitals. We have orphanages. We take care of the poor. If there's a disaster, disaster relief is usually started by who? Christians. It's because of what Jesus did, what God did through Jesus. Today, Christians are usually the forefront people of all of these nonprofits and opportunities to help and serve people. Abolish slavery. Get rid of labor laws. Who's doing these things? It's usually Christians. If Jesus is our master, we're his disciples. We're to be giving as he was giving. Again, but however, a lot of times when people give their life to Jesus Christ, one of the first things they do, maybe they have a class on what it means to be a Christian. You know what's not in there? Giving. Some churches probably, maybe they do. Our church doesn't. But it's like, that's something maybe you didn't know about when you first became a Christian. But because it should be a natural thing, right? Here's, I'm going to put on the, on the screen four, four points. And, and basically, this is not my sermon here, but when I, when, you, when I first thought about why should I give, right? Well, first of all, we're giving people because God is giving. We give back to God because he's richly blessed us in so many ways. We, we give back to God because we're, we're grateful. And that shows gratitude, right? We give back to God because the gospel can then be advanced, so when I think about what it means to be giving, and those sort of things came to the forefront of my mind, I just thought about this, but it, it was such a pure thing. But unfortunately, what happened, sort of like all the other things that happened in chapter 5 that Jesus was hitting at, even the thing of giving became evil. The intentions turned bad. It was supposed to be a righteous thing to do, to give, but all of a sudden, the religious leaders had made it something of wrong intention. Earlier, Jesus had been clearly showing us, like I said in chapter 5, what it means to do these acts of righteousness, these, these things that are right. But now he says, you know, here's the thing. I wonder, I wonder if maybe when we do these righteous things, we're doing them within the back of our mind thinking, I wonder what I look like when I do them. I wonder if Jesus is addressing that here where he's like, what's the intention? Why are you giving? Are you giving so that you can get a pat on the back? Think about everything that we do as Christians when we do it for the Lord. Are we doing it for the Lord or are we worried about what other people think? Just pause on that for a second. It's like, I don't think we do that. Then let me ask you this. If I were to ask right now, uh, could anybody lead us to come up here right now and lead us in a word of prayer? How many would be quick to do that? A lot of people would say, no way. I don't want to pray in front of a group of people. Why don't you want to pray in front of a group of people? See, here's what prayer is. Prayer is just me talking to God. So when I came up here and prayed just earlier, I was praying to God. I wasn't praying for your sake. I was praying for God. That was my conversation with him. You got to join in. 
But a lot of us think sometimes when I pray, i got to pray so that I use some really good words so that I'm impressing everybody, right? And it's like, come on, deep down inside, a lot of us are like, I don't want to pray because I can't pray like so-and-so. I can't pray like so-and-so. So are we praying with the hopes that our image looks better when we pray? How about, oh, I can think back to when I was helping a children's church a long time ago. And I was doing children's church over at another church. And basically, there's times I was hoping other adults would not be serving with me. And I just had a high school, middle school helpers helping me. You know why? Because I didn't want other adults to know how I taught. I didn't want them to judge me on like, well, he did a pretty good job teaching that lesson today. Oh, he could work on this. It's like, I was more worried about impressing another adult and how I teach kids than I was about preaching truth to kids. Why do we do that? Why do we get worried about our image? I had somebody come up to me the other day after a funeral. We just we cleaned up. We were putting chairs and tables away. And they came up to me, and I just walked in, and they said, Pastor, I, don't even know, I didn't know who this person was. But they had a washcloth in their hand and a spray, and a spray bottle in their hand. And they said, Pastor, I just want to let you know, I sprayed down all the tables for you. And I was thinking, okay. That's what I was thinking. I said, thank you. That's what, I, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Thank you. But I walked away. I was like, why did they have to tell me that? Why, why do we have to tell people the righteous things we do? Why do we worry about how, what people think of us when we do righteous things? And, and so I wonder again if this, in this moment, when we're living in a society that wants to impress everybody with our image, it's true. How we dress, what we drive, what we do. We, we want people to be impressed with our image. Is Jesus doing this right here, right now? Hey, when you give, be careful how you give. Be careful how you give. He just told us, though, to be salt and light, right? Let your light shine. Wait, so I'm supposed to let my light shine, but I'm not supposed to, what, toot my horn on this? I'm I'm getting a little confused here. Exactly. We are supposed to let our light shine. We're supposed to be the salt. We're supposed to add what? A flavor to this world. We are here to show the world that we are Christians, that we have faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. It's not about us, though, when we do it. There's a difference. I can either reflect the light of Jesus Christ or I can put the spotlight on me. Does that make sense? There's a big difference there. And in doing this, Jesus says, look what he says, watch out. He says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. He's like, hey, hey, be careful now. If you're doing this to get the applause of everybody, that's all you get. You, you got your applause. You, you, you did what you wanted to do so that people would applaud you. You got it. You ain't getting none from God. Because if that's why you're doing it, this is going to be your reward. That's a little scary, isn't it? I had to think about that. I'm sitting there going, would I want my name announced in front of a crowd of people or would I rather have my name announced in heaven? Not too long ago, I was at an event and um, they, were, they were announcing an award for somebody that had shown the work of Christ and, and it, was, it was a really big buildup like this person, you know, is going to get an award because of how they serve the Lord faithfully and, and so forth and so on. And I'm sitting there in my chair and it's like, Nobody knew who it was going to be. And I'm sitting there going, maybe it's going to be me. What if it's me? If it's me, what am I going to say when I get up there and get my award? You know, I was like, oh, let's see. That would be, you know, that would be, be sort of cool if that was me, you know. And then he announced the name. And it wasn't me. And I sat there and I was like, I was a little disappointed. I was like, why, was it, why wasn't it me? Couldn't it have been me? But isn't that the longing of mankind? We would rather hear the applause of our peers and people we don't even know, more than we would rather just have God applaud us. 
And I had to sit there and think, you know what? Thank you for humbling me. Matter of fact, you know what? You know, here's a funny thing. You know that morning, I actually, I looked back at my drawer. That morning, you know what I prayed for that morning? Lord, keep me humble. God was like, no problem. <laughs> Done, right? And I, was, I felt humble. I'm sitting there, but then it was so true. I needed to hear that. I needed to be remembered. It is not about me or what I do. It is that my God receives the glory and not me. Look at verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their own acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They've received all the reward they'll ever get. I mean, can you, can you picture this? I'm going to put money in the blessings box, and then there's somebody back there, Roger's sitting right there. Roger's like, oh, blessing box. Good job, Rex. Next person walks in, Trace walks in, puts in. Good job, Tracy. Is that why we do it? It's like, hey, I just want to let you know, putting my money in, everybody blow their horn, Okay. I don't think that's what we're getting at. Ancient history and readings you read through and in scripture you read through, that was, there was trumpets in the temple, but that's not what they're talking about here, I don't think. What a lot of uh, commentaries and, and what a lot of theologians think is some of the um, receptacles that were in the temple, they didn't pass an offering plate. They had like a blessing. They had like a box in the back of the temple along the walls. Um, some of them looked like this, in which it was like a trumpet, their, their trumpet, not our picture of a trumpet, a trumpet back then. Um, and that would lead into a box. When you put your coins in, it would cling and rattle as it went down into the box. So sometimes what would happen is I would maybe come in and using modern money today, okay, instead of me putting in maybe a 50-cent piece or a quarter, I'll put in five nickels. So it makes it sound like I was putting a lot in, okay? Basically what I'm saying is like when the offering plate gets, used to get passed when we were younger, it would be instead of putting in a $50 bill, I would take 45 ones and one $5 bill and then fold them over at the five on top to make it look like I was giving a big wad of money. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, just, I'm not really announcing it, but I am announcing it. Look what I just gave. And so when you're hearing those cling, cling, like, it's like, that's me. Make sure you all heard that, right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Watch out. You're trying to get everybody's attention when you're giving here. You got the wrong intent. You're trying to make it known for, for, for what you're putting in there. And that's, what it's, it's, that's not what it's about. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. So what does Jesus call these people? He calls them hypocrites. The Greek word there for hypocrite, you know what hypocrite is? an actor. Oh, yeah. Somebody who is one way but portrays the role of another person in a movie or a show, that's an actor, right? So the same word hypocrite is used here. Somebody who is, I've got a set standard, but the problem is I'm not living by that standard. I'm living over here. That's a hypocrite. And Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. You say you are righteous, but you are not living a righteous way. He says, so you want the applause of man? You got it, but you ain't getting nothing from heaven. Look at verse 3. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So again, sort of like that figure speech that he used earlier in chapter 5. If your right hand causes you sin, cut it off. Left hand, cut it off. He's doing the same thing here in a sense of using this as an example. Our giving is to be, if it's possible, even hidden from ourselves. Though obviously we cannot like close our eyes and write a check. Like, I have no idea what I just gave. You know, that's not what we're talking about. It's one of those things like I'm giving, but I'm not going to pump myself up about it. Yeah, you know, look what I'm doing. I'm so good. Look at this check I'm writing. Wow, man. That's what we're talking about. Before, it was, I want everybody to know what I'm giving. Now, Jesus said, and I don't want you to get all fired up about what you're giving either. Stay humble about this. 
You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus is in the temple and he's standing there by where they drop the money into those boxes. And this widow walks up and she puts just all she had, just a couple coins. She just drops them in, like a couple pennies, right? It's the, the equivalent of. Meanwhile, somebody over here is like pumping in a lot of money. Like, <laughs> see this? Everybody? Okay. And Jesus is remembering this situation. He goes, did you see what just happened? And our, the disciples would have been, you know, their thought would have been, yeah, man, good job, dude. No, thanks, anyway. Jesus like, no, the attention's over here. She gave everything she had. Well, he has a lot. He, he could have given that, and he probably didn't blink an eye when he gave. But she gave everything she had. That's what we're talking about here in this giving. When you read in Matthew 6, 3 to 4, there's another thing we discover here is that God sees what we give in secret. You know, here's the thing, and just being very transparent with all of you, I don't know what any of you give, okay? So if you write a check or you give online, I, I can have access to it, but I choose not to. I don't want to know what you give, okay? I, I know some pastors do. I choose not to, um, but I, I know you, you, and you already know this, you know somebody's keeping track because you get a statement at the end of the year so you can get a tax deduction, right? So you know there's a statement that comes back to you. So you know somebody looks at it, right? It's not me. Not a pastor, okay? Not me. Well, here's the thing, though. God sees it. I don't know, but God does. And God says, I'll reward your acts of generosity along with your motives. Biblically, we're to give. Jesus says, are you giving at the right intention? And sometimes when we write checks and when we give, you know, we can probably think of a hundred other things to do with that money, don't we? Say, man, you know, I, I could go buy this. I could go do this. But I know I need to give it to the Lord. God sees that. You're giving with the right motive. And he will recognize you for that. Maybe it won't be a big tr trumpet blow. Maybe it won't be a, hey, we want to call somebody up here because they're pretty awesome. We're going we're gonna to name a new wing after you. It's probably not going to happen, right? As I said earlier, let me put these back up again. We're giving people because God is giving. We give back to God because he's richly blessed us in so many ways. We give back to God because we are grateful and that's an act of gratitude. We give back to God so the gospel can be advanced. Church, we give. Why? Because it is an act of worship. Giving is worship. I've just, so we were in Matthew talking about the intent of giving. And Jesus says, be careful when you give, right? Now, that's with the assumption that we are giving. Now, where do we find more about that? It's all through the Bible. But here's one of my favorite passages. We're going to spend about 10 minutes there. So let's go there. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. I'm not going to put it on the screen, so you have to follow along in your own Bible. Uh, but I'm going to refer back to chapter 28, the previous chapter, to sort of set the context here. Uh, David has basically called it together all the leadership of Israel. I mean, he's going to call all of Israel together, but first he calls the leadership together. And so he's got all these people assembled together, and he says, I've got this incredible desire to build the temple of the Lord. We've, there's never been a temple built. I mean, we've got houses, and, but yet the Ark of the Covenant has no place. Has, God has no home here on earth. So we're going to build this incredibly big, awesome temple, Right? So he says, I want to do this. I want to, I want to do this to honor. But here's the thing. God has told me I'm not going to be the one to build it. I have shed too much blood as a warrior. I am your king, but I was also a warrior. And so God said, David, you're not going to be able to build it because you have shed too much blood, but your son will. Solomon, 
will build my temple and his courtyards. So David basically pulls all these leadership together, and this is what he says. He goes, be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you will continue to possess this good land that we have and to leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. And Solomon, then he's got Solomon right next to him. And Solomon here, my son, he looks at him and he says, you need to learn to know the Lord your God intimately. He like, looks at his son and says, you don't need to just know God. You need to know him intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart. Be willing your mind. For the Lord sees every heart. He knows every plan, every thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. If you forsake him, he will reject you. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple and a sanctuary. Be strong. Do the work. So he says, he's looking at his son and saying, know God intimately. Obey him. Love him. He sees all. He already knows your heart. He wants you to build his temple. Do the work. So he gives Solomon these plans. He's like, this is what the temple is going to look like. These are the building plans. It's like he had a blueprint. It's like he's laying them out. He's like, this is what it's going to be like. And by the way, when, uh, when the uh, priests come in to lead worship, they're going to need all these receptacles. They're going to need all these things. This is what they're going to need. Oh, and, and then we're going to need these for sacrifices and for other forms of worship. And so in these next section of verses, David's given all these instructions. How much gold, how much silver, how much timber is going to be needed to make all these things happen? To build a temple, to provide for all the services, for worship, for everything. Then verse 20 of chapter 28, David said this, Be strong and courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord... Your, the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. It's like, God's going to help you. Just do the work, right? Then we get to chapter 29, verse 1. King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It's for the Lord God himself. So first thing David uh, does here with his son now, he turns to the whole congregation, the whole city, and says, listen carefully. God's chosen my son Solomon to build this temple. And it's going to be hard. The work is enormous. This project is going to be big, so it's going to require big things. That's why God's leading the way. And then look what he goes next. Well, verse 2, he, uses, uh, he says, Using every resource of my command, I've gathered as much as I could, so he shares what, everything he's gathered. Verse 3, And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for the holy temple. So David's like, I've gathered all these things for the temple, and I just want to let you know, this is an enormous project because it is God's. But here's the thing. I want you to know as your leader, I'm leading the way in giving. I'm emptying my treasuries, my personal giving, okay? I showed you what we have here, what belong to the state, right? Now these are mine. I'm giving these. And then the next thing that happens is pretty incredible. Look at verse 4. Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. And then they listed what they gave. So it's then like all the leaders, like, if you, so in this situation, let's say I walk up to the church. Here's, we've got this incredible thing going on. And, and uh, I just want to let you know, 
pulling on, I'm giving you everything. You know, this is what, I, this is what I'm giving. I'm pledging to give this amount, my personal, okay? And then one by one, leaders in this church step up and say, and I will be giving this much, and I will be pledging this much, and I'm going to be giving this much. And then, so all the leaders, all of them, not 99 out of 100, all of them said, we're giving. Then look what happens next, verse 9. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Do you see that? No arm twisting, no manipulative conversations, no, hey, I'm going to guilt you into giving. Hey, I'm going to put some sad puppy eye faces up here on the screen. We need to give. None of that. People gave willingly and freely because God moved in their heart to give. David praised the Lord before the whole assembly. Now, here's what I want you to listen to very carefully, okay? This is one of the most incredible prayers ever prayed in the Bible. There's so many awesome prayers, right? Listen to the prayer. This is David's prayer that he prays in front of the whole community, in front of the whole kingdom. Oh, Lord, the God of Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion. People are made great and given strength. Oh, our Lord, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give you anything? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only for a moment. Visitors, strangers in the land of our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Oh, Lord, our God, even this material that we've gathered to build a temple in honor of your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I've done all this with good motives. I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey your commands, laws, and decrees, and do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low before the Lord and the king. In this moment, of history. Why is this one of my favorite prayers? Why is this one of my favorite stories? Three things. First of all, the task of doing God's work is great and will always require great resources. If we're not doing anything big for God, you don't need anything big to do it. But if you're going to do something big for God, it's going to require great resources. Here's the second thing on that. Leaders set the standards. David announced what he was going to do. When it comes to giving, leaders should set the standard. Three, the resources are God's resources. He's the ultimate provider of all that is provided. With that in mind, I heard a story about a father and a son driving down the road. And uh, as he's driving, he looked over his son. His son was getting hungry. And he thought, you know what? He needs a snack. He saw the big golden arches. So it pulls in. 
goes up the counter, his son goes over to the table, has a seat, orders an order of French fries. Gets the French fries, a little snack for him, sits back down in front of his son, pushes this bag of fries over towards his son, and he sits back. He just loves his son. He loves watching his son being blessed. He loves watching his son experiencing a joyful moment, and he's, his son starts eating the fries and big smile on his face. And then the dad does what every dad does. Maybe you already know what's going to happen. He reaches across to take one fry. Dad, get your own. Those are my fries. Oh. The father took his hand back and thought about it for a while. And he got in the car to leave. And he's driving down the road. And uh, it started to process on that long, silent drive now. He thought, I gave my son every fry he had. Everyone, and all I wanted was just one of those fries. My son doesn't understand something here. He doesn't know that I could take all of those fries from him if I wanted, because I'm the dad. And my son also doesn't know that I could have gone back up to the counter and ordered a lot more and blessed him even more. He doesn't understand that. He thinks that what he has are his. How did he forget who brought them and brought them to him? I don't know if that's ever happened to you as a parent in here. Maybe one of your kids, maybe they have forgotten how you have blessed them and they didn't show thanks. And maybe they've slapped your hand. Maybe as a parent, you were a kid at one time and you did the same with your parents. There's many times I've looked back at what my parents have done for me and I've like, wow, they've really blessed me. How are we doing with our giving and our motives for giving? Because God, you know, I look at that passage from 1 Chronicles 29. David is basically saying this, God, you gave us all the French fries. You gave them to us. Take as many back as you want. That's what's happened in 1 Chronicles 29. We have been so blessed, and God just says, when you give, I'm not telling you how much to give, but when you give, give wholeheartedly, give freely, give joyfully. After all, I gave it to you, so if you want to give it back, you can. I, can I say something? Do you think God really needs our stuff? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't need our offerings. He doesn't. But when we give our offerings, it is an act of worship saying, God, thank you for what you give me. I'm giving back to you. May your work be done here on earth with what you've given me. That's a part of why we give. At Thanksgiving, um, our church is going to do something maybe that, you know, we've, we've never done before. And we're going to do a Thanksgiving offering. Why? Because I have for too long maybe robbed you the joy of worshiping through giving. A lot of you give. Like I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't look at the records. But I know this church is a very giving church. Like right now, just to give you an idea, uh, financially, our church is fine. Uh, back at COVID, a lot of churches were shutting down and borrowing money from the government. We didn't have to because you kept giving. We we're very blessed. So now, what is our church struggling with? Not the everyday finances. We, we owe money on this building here. We have a debt. We are ahead of paying off the debt because of your giving. We're doing pretty good. Matter of fact, we may have it paid off in three years or less. 
We owe about $250,000. I'm being very transparent with you, ain't I? We owe about $250,000 plus on this building. It should be paid off in about three years because giving has been where it needs to be. But what if, what if we got paid off ahead of time? What could we do with God's resources then? Could we add more missionaries? Could we add on a, a wing to the building that we talked about three years ago for our kids? A new nursery and kids' classrooms so that on Wednesday night, maybe we could have adult education. I don't know. We talked about that. But then COVID hit. So at Thanksgiving, what we're going to do is, and a letter will go out. If you've signed a covenant, you're a member of the church, you'll get a letter. If you're not, you're not going to get a letter. Uh, but everybody, everybody's invited as a church to be doing this. At Thanksgiving, we'll have an envelope, a special envelope for you to give whatever you want to give above and beyond your normal giving. That money will go towards paying off the debt. How much can we knock off that 250? I don't know. But I'm going to ask you to right now start praying about it. I've been praying about it. Uh, the elders knew um, at some point in time I was going to announce this. They didn't know exactly when. Uh, my wife doesn't even know about that I was going to announce this today. But in my heart, I've been praying about it. Lord, above and beyond what we give, because everybody gives differently. You know, Old Testament, 10%, New Testament, whatever, above and beyond, you know, do give freely, give sacrificially. I grew up with 10%. That's what, that's what I grew up on. Uh, ever since I can remember, it was always 10%. If my allowance was X amount, 10% came off, right? And so to this day, even our own budget, we've been doing this since we were married. 10% automatically off goes to God. And then, then, we, then we started a few years back a benevolence fund in our, in our budget, basically an, an additional amount to help whoever needs help above and beyond that. So it's sort of like we've always, that's what we've always done. What is it for you? I don't know. Whatever God's laid upon your heart, he knows you, he knows your heart, and if you're obediently following him, you know, I'm supposed to be a giving person. What am I supposed to give? Ask God. God, what am I supposed to be giving to, to missions, to the church, to whomever? For this offering, it's above and beyond that. We're just saying stick it in an envelope, and then the Sunday before Thanksgiving or the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we'll drop that, your envelope off in the blessings box, all that money. Just one big thank you, Lord. Thank you for this building. We've been blessed to have this building. I just did a funeral Friday. Uh, for a gentleman, he didn't attend their church, but his kids do. And um, I didn't know this until I was at the funeral home. He helped build the original building. Little did he know that his kids would come to church here. Little did he know he would be, have the funeral here for him. But he helped build this church, lay down the brick and mortar on that first building. We never know what God's going to do with our resources. But I do know this. I know hundreds of people have given their life to Christ as a result of this church. I know lives have been changed eternally because of this church. And we praise God for that. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Like I said at the beginning of the service, no one enjoys talking about money at church, right? Nobody talks, we're going to talk about giving, all right. Um, but if we don't talk about it, we fail to talk about what the Bible says. And so I come to you this morning, sharing you with what the Bible says. And Jesus is saying, we are to give, but check the heart motive while you're giving. I've got to check the heart motive when I'm preaching to make sure you are not feeling manipulated. I don't want you to feel manipulated in giving. If I do, I want to apologize for that right now. You are going to give because God tells you to give, not because a pastor told you to give. You're going to give because God told you to give, not because a leader told you to give. You're going to give because God told you to give, not because you got a letter in the mail or you heard a missionary story or this person's story. 
you're going to give because you have been seeking God and God says, this is what you need to give. And when you do so, it's an act of worship and God is praised. Would you stand please? Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for we can come and worship you. And I thank you, Lord, that even part of worship is giving. And, and God, even though um, sometimes I'm apologetic, I shouldn't be apologizing for worshiping. It's a beautiful thing to worship in song, in prayer, in reading scripture, in giving. It's an act of worship. We are replying to what you've done for us and saying, God, you're, you're incredible. So God, I thank you that we could look into your word. I ask, Lord, that you just look into our heart now. Lord, I pray that our giving is done with the right intentions, that we're giving not to be praised by man, not to build up our self-ego, not to have a good image, but we give because we just want to say thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. I thank you for this moment now that we get to sing to you in worship. In our name we pray, amen.